And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable. The most audible. Hold the applause. Like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. The Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King. Ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you on Tuesday morning, November 29th, and the Celtics will not stop Winning the last time we talked to you was after their loss in Chicago. And after that, the Celtics came home and have ripped off four wins against the Mavericks, the Kings, the Washington Wizards, and the Charlotte Hornets. All pretty much uh, no doubters. Uh, I guess the Kings was a, a close game at, at some point. And Jay, I feel like I've run out of ways to describe how good this team is. And so I'm going to throw a little curveball to you. Normally, we end with this segment, and it's been a while since we've done it, but um, potable six-pack. I'm saying potable six-pack for the six Ooh, best moments I like that. At, over these past four games. And because I'm such a generous guy, I'll let you pick the draft order. All right. Uh, so this is just from the game last night? No, no, no. From the last four games. The last four games? Yeah, okay. going back to the Mavericks game. All right, that's that's a lot of stuff to consider for for uh, just I know. a six this, pack. This, this is an elite six pack. That you can you can defer and have me go first if you want more time. Oh but. no! So number one has to be the Stromile Swift celebration. <laughs> there is nothing that could eclipse the Stromile Swift celebration because it is absolutely hysterical that Luke Cornett has adopted the celebration. Of a guy who was the bounciest, <laughs> basically the bounciest guy in the league, who was an absolute freak athlete. And then when asked about it, Cornette said, explosive athleticism, next question. Said it was like looking in the mirror wa watching Stromile Swift play. I mean, that's funny stuff. And you got to respect it. And you got to respect the fact that Luke Cornette keeps just throwing down dunks. Luke Cornette can't stop won't stop throwing down dunks uh he's been legitimately good for the celtics this season he is shooting 68 percent from the field he can pass he has shored up the defense it feels like ever since he got the bulk of the backup center minutes the celtics just haven't lost and I'm not saying it's all Luke Cornett. But you're not not saying that. <laughs> but the biggest question mark for the team was finding a backup center who wouldn't fuck things up. 
I mean, Luke Cornett doesn't fuck things up. And on top of that, he does the Stromile Swift celebration, which is just truly incredible. Yeah, he did it twice in one game, which I thought was bold. One on a legit lob dunk from Marcus Smart. On the other, which was just not a not a great alley-oop whatsoever. Um, but yeah, to compare himself and just say he's immediately a, the bounciest, uh, bounciest guy in the league was fantastic. He's legitimately a, a humorous person. He's not just like athlete funny. He just seems like he's uh, actually a, a humorous guy. Did not get the Are double you, double. Did you just steal a, a Tom Westerholm tweet and and use it in the podcast? I did, but I retweeted it at the time, so I think it's basically my tweet. Uh, there you go. As long as you uh, retweeted it. Yeah, I mean, I gave him the proper due in terms of uh, RTs and the likes. Um, but in terms of Luke Cordon on the court, you're, his defense uh, has been like there's not been a huge drop off. Like the number of blocks he's getting at the rim have been. Uh, I was going to say spectacular, but that feels like a little much. But he's been very, very solid. Um, not getting as many rebounds as I would like because I did promise two double-doubles for him by Christmas. And both the last two games felt like he had a chance. But <laughs> but hey, he's given himself a chance. And that's all you can really ask for at this point. And there's just not a, like a drop-off. I, the Celtics offense is really, really dynamic when they can play Al Horford at the five and go five out and give themselves all of this spacing. But when Luke Cornett checks into the game, they're still able to run some high pick and roll and have a lot of that spacing. And there's just not not this crazy drop off uh, when he gets into the game. And that's all you're asking for. Like, we're no longer having any sort of discussions about do the Celtics need to trade for a backup big? I just don't think that's part of the equation now because he's proven uh, he can be that backup big. And if you look at the on off numbers. Like they're just sterling for Luke Cornett. The the offense, like you said, is barely barely dropped off when he's on the court. Hundred twenty point five points per hundred possessions without him. With him, hundred nineteen point one points per hundred possessions, which would still lead the league in scoring. Um, they are plus twelve point eight net rating with Luke Cornett on the court, which is even better than they've been with him off the court, and probably. The, the not the most impressive thing, but but one of the things that's really stood out to me is that this guy, Luke Cornett, who used to launch three pointers, like for his career, he takes seven three pointers per thirty six minutes, just absolute chucker. <laughs> and that's, what, that's how people normally describe him. Yes, he's taking fewer than one three per thirty six minutes this year, and. You see with the second unit, they've got Sam Hauser, they've got Malcolm Brogdon, they've got Grant Williams a lot of the time. A lot of the time they have Jason Tatum with those guys. And there's so much shooting. And Luke Cornett, as a seven foot two guy, has been able to put pressure on the rim and collapse the defense and open up those guys. And there's a synergy there between him and the rest of the second unit that I think really works. And I don't know whether it's Cornette who decided to stop shooting threes and roll all the time instead of popping, but that's what they need with that group. And, and he's done it and he's done it really well. And so, I mean, keep, keep using that Stromile Swift celebration, big man. (laughs) You, You deserve it. Speaking of the second unit, that gets me into my first pick of the potable six pack. Um, let me take you all back to Friday night 
uh, playing the Sacramento Kings. Celtics jump out to a big lead. They kind of let that lead falter. The Kings, you know, have a, one of the league's best offenses. They can really score the ball. We're getting into the third quarter. The Kings uh, are taking a bit of a lead. And the Celtics look not not looking great. Uh, just kind of lackadaisical, not a lot of connectivity on defense. And that's when Joe Missoula, um, you know what? He decides to shake things up a bit. And he puts in Peyton Pritchard and Luke Cornett into the game. They had not played at all in the first half. And uh, you could feel the buzz. You could feel the energy shift. As soon as Peyton Pritchard checked into that game, I'm going to give Cornette credit, some credit too, because he was part of that substitution. But the way Celtics fans react to Peyton Pritchard is both hilarious uh, and a little too on the nose, just for uh, for Celtic Boston fans in general. But the energy shifted immediately, and the Celtics went on a 32 to four run right after that substitution, and it was just all Peyton Pritchard uh, just coming in and completely changing the vibes of the game. It was something I had not seen in a while. Just one substitution completely changed the game. And it went from a close game that Celtics were losing to an absolute blowout in like six minutes. It was it was insane. Yeah, that was, that was wild because I thought the Celtics, the way they were playing, the way the Kings were playing, like the Kings totally dominated the second quarter, were controlling the third quarter. And if you told me the Celtics were going to lose that game at home, I would have said, yeah. Yeah, they are. Like they're getting pretty badly outplayed at the moment. And then all of a sudden the game was an absolute blowout. Like like literally two seconds later. And Peyton Pritchard he does bring an energy. And I think Jalen Brown called him the microwave for the Celtics, which <laughs> is probably a, a little aggressive. But but at the same point, I think he's fourth on the team in scoring per 36 minutes. He he does bring juice to the offense. Uh, and not just as a guy who can really shoot it, who's at 40% from three again, but he and Hauser both really move well without the ball. And I'll throw Grant Williams into that as somebody who, who's become, you know, somebody who uses his gravity off the ball. Um, and I think that really matters. And when you've got two guys and, and when Grant's like three guys who are moving and shoot better than 40% from three, it just makes it so much easier for other guys. Um, and for the Celtics to have that type of option in Peyton Pritchard, who doesn't play all the time, but then comes in and hustles and, and adds that juice to the offense. That's a pretty big deal. Um, but yeah, that, that, that run was crazy. Pritchard came in, getting buckets. Cornette came, came in, in, blocking, blocking shit. Steve Aoki was there for some reason. Um, it was a, it was a wild experience <laughs> in the garden on Friday night. The last time I saw Steve Aoki, it was also at a Kings Celtics game, but he was performing at halftime in Sacramento. And so I don't know what Steve Aoki, I don't know if he's a dual Kings Celtics fan or he just he goes to every single Kings Celtics game, but he was there. Some people were giving him credit for the vibe shift. Uh, I'm not oh, sure. Why is Steve Aoki famous? I'm not trying to be an asshole, but I'm, I'm genuinely wondering. Uh, he's a uh, famous musical DJ. Um, 
let me look up some uh, some songs uh, by by Steve Aoki. Maybe I don't know if you, you don't really strike me as a techno EDM type of guy. No, no, no. You never listened to like Levels by Avicii. You never. That wasn't like a, a go to for you. R.I.P. Oh, you know enough to say R.I.P. for Avicii. So that's fair. Um, all right, hit us in the comments if you if you, you know a famous Steve Aoki song because a quick Google did not uh, immediately reveal one to me, but he's out there. Um, my second pick in the potable six pack, the third pick in general. I'm just thinking moments here. We're gonna have to go all the <laughs> way back to the Wednesday night game against the Mavericks, but the Jason Tatum block of Luka Doncic. And that immediately going into the J- Jalen Brown dagger three, uh, huge moment. Uh, it was funny. Jace Tatum was questionable, I guess, headed into that game. And JB was like, there's no way Tatum was missing that. Tatum clearly uh, like lines himself up uh, with the other guys in the league who are considered on his level. And he was wanted to take it to Luka Doncic. And Luka Doncic has played the Celtics incredibly tough uh, throughout his career. But the Celtics were just that much better than the Mavericks, and I think I was like the, you could just tell in the first half there was no way the Celtics are going to lose that game just with what the lineups that this um, Mavericks were running out there with the teams without like an actual center or rim protector. The Celtics when they go five out or when they spread the floor, they're just so unstoppable. And the Mavericks had no options at center. They trotted out Javale McGee there, uh, which was not uh, successful, but. The Celtics just, uh, if you don't have a legitimate rim protector, the Celtics are going to cut you up. And um, I don't know. I just thought that was an emblematic moment of Tatum being like, I am I am here. I am one of the best players in the league. You're not going to come into Boston uh, with a name in the cachet of Luch Doncic and not get my best effort. Yeah, that, that was a, a sweet play. Um, and Tatum screamed at, I think it was at the bench. He's like, I told you after that play. So I don't know what he told who. But <laughs> he had told them that I am going to block Luka Doncic. But he, he informed people perhaps that he was going to stop Luka, perhaps that he was going to block him, perhaps that he was a bad motherfucker. I don't know. But but the Celtics, I, I'm going to go with their 45-point first quarter against Charlotte. Yeah. That was just ridiculous. Um, and the Hornets, obviously, they were banged up. Like, Gordon Hayward didn't play. Terry Rozier didn't play. LaMelo Ball didn't play. They, they didn't were, even have Caleb Martin or Dennis Smith Jr. Like, they, they, were, they were down bad. Yeah, they were badly, badly uh, missing players. But, but the Celtics just came in and roasted them. And the Celtics offense, like, has been utterly relentless. I, I looked up their uh, box scores yesterday just to check. They have 14 games. 14 games out of 21 that they have played so far. Where they have scored at least 116 points per 100 possessions. And... Wait, 116? Yes. 14 out of 21. Two-thirds of the time, they score at least what would be a league-leading level. Yes, and wouldn't that be like the best offense of all time? What's like the best offense ever? 
I I forget exactly the number, but it would be better than the second ranked offense this season. 14 out of 21 times. Like they are literally scoring at league leading levels two thirds of the time in two thirds of their games. And it's just relentless. Like they don't have nights off with their offense. They just don't. And I've never seen, and obviously I've been covering the Celtics. I started covering full-time when it was Brad Stevens' first year. So I've seen some bad offense. I've seen mostly bad offense, I would say. (laughs) Um, There were a couple years, like the Isaiah year when he was amazing. The offense was, was very good. I think they finished seventh that year. They're the year when Gordon Hayward and Kemba Walker were both healthy. I think they finished fourth. So I've seen some good offenses. This is totally next level. Like, not even close to any Celtics offense I've covered. And not even really close to any other offense in the league. Like, the Kings had the second best offense coming into the game against Boston and the Celtics never stopped scoring and Sacramento did. And that's kind of how it's been this whole season. Like Celtics defense hasn't been great. They just never stopped scoring ever. And that 45 point first quarter, the stats were just ridiculous. Tatum had 16 points. Malcolm Brogdon had 10 points on five, five shooting off the bench. Marcus Smart had 10 points and eight assists in the first quarter, including eight assists over the first eight minutes. Just calm down. (laughs) It was, I mean, they had four straight turnovers at one point, and they still yeah, scored they, they, forty-five they, points. They messed up like the last two minutes of that quarter. They could have got if they kept it up. They could have gotten well above fifty, but their offense is just obscene, and it's the three-point shooting that is like actually the most absurd part. Um, and it's not just that they take a lot of threes. Um, they take a lot of just very open threes. The ball movement, everyone seems to be a willing passer. You talked about like Luke Cornett rolling. I think he is one of many guys who are just like very good at making passes on that short roll. But if you look at the Celtics three point percentage from these are top these are five role players who are uh all play significant minutes and shoot basically four threes a game. Sam Hauser, 49%. Al Horford, I'm rounding up here, 49%. Malcolm Brogdon, 47%. Derek White, 45%. Grant Williams, 45%. Like, that's insane for, that's all guys, basically, I guess Horford's a starter, but like all of these uh, role players all shooting above 45%, they're just three-point shot making is wild. And it's just, they. you're right, the defense doesn't need to be that good because if you're hitting... 15 to 23s every single game you're just you're it's just simple mathematics it's an easy formula for winning and they're getting they're consistently pass up good shots to get great shots and great shots is just wide open threes at this point but to have guys like Hauser who's like just that's what he does shooting lights out but Derek White shooting 45% from 3 um he's been phenomenal this year he's been Way better than I think anyone could have ever expected. I did not expect him to uh, ever get to be a 45% three-point shooter. I don't know if that's sustainable, but he's sometimes starter, but he's what? Your your eighth man? Your seventh man? Just uh, 
the the contributions they're getting from the from the bench is I think the biggest reason why their offense is so good is just like it's relentless for 48 minutes and just that three point shooting is in, insane and I don't know because it's so many guys I just like don't and because they're getting so many open shots I don't think it's an aberration like I think yeah some guys may you know eventually drop below the kind of levels they're shooting right now but they're all very high quality shooters who are getting open looks and it's just impossible for for teams to beat like the that 45 point first quarter the hornets like played pretty decent on offense i think the hornets shot like 50 percent from the field but it's like the celtics had so many threes and they were down 26 yeah um so it seemed like the hornets offense six turnovers and shot 50 percent from the field and we're down 26 it's just like you can't compete when some like the celtics are making that many threes and they like Credit to Brad Stevens for creating a roster around Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown, who are some of the, like, they're much more high volume, so they have a worse three-point percentage. But just putting guys around them who can not only hit those threes, but of all those guys, talking about Hauser's maybe not as much of a playmaker, but Horford, Brogdon, White, and Grant Williams has emerged this year can all pass, maybe put the ball uh, put the ball on the floor and make some plays like, I don't know. It's just a uh, fantastic offensive basketball that's been wild to see just with the amount of three-point shots they're making this year. And Steve Clifford pointed this out before last night's game. <laughs> he, that might be an honorable mention to Steve Clifford's pres, uh, pregame press conference. Yeah, that, that was that was pretty electric. Uh, he blamed himself for the way Kemba Walker's career has gone, which was unexpected. Um, <laughs> and he threw his team under the bus saying... There's no chance in hell we could beat beat the Hornets or this Hornets team could beat the Celtics four out of seven. No way. There was just too much talent uh, differentiation. But tonight we might have him, and he was wrong. Yeah, he really sounded like uh, Rick Moranis's character in the Little Giants. <laughs> you know that scene when when they are like at halftime. I think they're getting beat like so bad by the 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 Cowboys. Spike in the Cowboys. And Rick Moranis starts talking about the one time he beat his brother in a race. And then all the, all the other little dweebs start talking about the, the times that, that they had crazy victories. And Steve Clifford was like, all we got to do is beat him one time. <laughs> like, we could lose 99 out of 100, but let's do this one time. And Teo Maladon wasn't listening at all. But, no. <clears throat> but Steve Clifford pointed out that the Celtics are making – five threes per game more than their opponents. That's 15 and it, points. And it's actually, it's actually five and a half threes. And Clifford said he, he doesn't think he's ever seen that before, um, which would make sense. Like, that's an insane gap. That is whatever five and a half times three is. Uh, 17 se- and a half. I was just going to say that. 17 and a half. That, that's how many points they're basically spotted every game because they hit five and a half more threes than their opponent. And so they're not just great at generating threes. They're great at taking them away. Uh, And that's been one strength of their defense so far is that they have been able to take away three-point attempts. They have been able to force teams into mid-range jumpers. Um, And it hasn't always been successful, and I think part of that is probably because they score so much they don't really care as much as they did last season when they needed every stop like oxygen. Uh, But... But to start off with, with that big an advantage, is 
is really help. Like Joe Mazzulla said, he likes math. That is literally like as maximizing math, the greatest maximization of math that you could have in the NBA is starting off a game with five and a half more three pointers made than your team, than the other team. Like that's just that's math. It's just math, bro. I was trying to think of like a good math joke or like maximization, and I was like derivatives approaching infinity. Um, if you're gonna make a math joke, it's got to be some Goodwill Hunting line. Um, I don't remember. Well, did you won the Fields Medal? You think you're you think you're top shit, J King? Because you won the Fields Medal. I should have won the Fields Medal. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, what what's the math they do? I used to know this. Um, oh, I forget it. All right, uh, that's. That's that's sad, but it's your your last pick in the potable six pack. Uh, four year series, they do advanced four year series. Thank you. Okay, go on. So, I'm going to go with Blake Griffin's alley oop. Ooh, good pick from Derek White. Uh Blake Griffin doesn't play a lot. He starts randomly whenever Al Horford misses games. He's only a starter. He does not play garbage time. He did not get in at all against the uh, Wizards because it's it's it would be disrespectful to play Blake in garbage time at this point. Yeah, and the fans have started treating him like Taco Fall, which I also feel like is kind of disrespectful. Like Taco is just a two-way contract guy. Uh, and... Just and so fans would would hit him with the we want taco every time there was a blowout, and it, it turned into some great fun. I feel like Blake Griffin. You can't do that with Blake Griffin, like. But they they show him that respect. They want him on that court, and when Al Horford is out, he's on that court. He starts, and he's he's looked better lately. I will say that. Uh, he said he needed some weeks to get his legs under him. That probably makes sense. He wasn't expect. He has said that he wasn't expecting to join a team as early as he did, um, which was basically just in time for training camp. And so he probably wasn't in like tip top NBA game shape. He's obviously someone who keeps keeps in good shape and and really works at at being in good shape, but he probably needed some time to work his way back into game shape. He flew. Like that was that was shades of of old Blake Griffin. That was catch it with one hand, throw it through, and the whole bench went crazy. The whole bench went absolutely bonkers. Jason Tatum on the court went insane. And and Blake, I, I feel like he just kinda got a kick out of it. Like he just just kind of smiled and it used to be normal. That was his first dunk with the Celtics. Um, I think that was his first dunk in like three years. Like I don't think he no. had many dunks with the so Nets. He had 36 dunks combined over the last three seasons. Um, oh, wow. Including just five in 2019-20. He had a little bit of a renaissance uh, after that. Um, but just five in 2019-20. He had two last night. And he he... He can still he can still get up there though. It's crazy how hard it is to dunk in an NBA game because Blake Griffin, like during layup lines, you watch him 
do dunks and you're like oh he does dunk contest dunks like he's still throwing it off the backboard like he's still doing some crazy stuff he still does some crazy stuff it's just really hard to do crazy stuff like that in a game which makes it insane that he once had 214 dunks in a season (laughs) 214 i looked at uh, 214 in an 82 game regular season and i'm sure he didn't even play 82 games um that's just a lot of dunks man and he's he's not going to dunk that often now but every once in a while, Blake Griffin will still fly on him. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The thing that's uh, like impressive to me about and he was Blake, also taking charges in like a forty point. That's what I'm gonna. That was what I'm about to say is that he's a he's a vet in this league. Like he does not gonna play in garbage time. Uh, he had his moment where he had this big dunk. Then he immediately goes in there and takes two charges. Like that's it's not necessary. He could have just been taking business decisions. But I like just the uh, the approach of just like no, I I know how to play one way. I'm a basketball dunker and I'm a charge taker. And so Blake Griffin's going to do both. And why not? They don't need him in the regular rotation, but it's like it's very fun for the the general vibes of the team. I feel like he's the perfect vet vet. Like if you're building a team, you always want the the savvy vet who can kind of give the young guys some advice about um how things are in the NBA and how much they need to appreciate the the good times. And so Blake Griffin's been a welcome addition to the team. Who do you think the TD Garden crowd likes more Peyton Pritchard or Blake Griffin. They have different loves for those two guys. Uh, I feel like they they love Blake Griffin as an object. <laughs> They've objectified Blake Griffin. Yes, yes. Like he is like just a trophy to them. You know what I mean? Like like he's he's the like it's cool to have Blake Griffin on your team. Um, and and. So they have embraced that, whereas Peyton Pritchard, they like him because he comes in and like hustles for offensive rebounds and then hits like a couple threes and then and then is cool with going to the bench for a it's while. Like an, it's like an underdog story with Pritchard. It's like, oh, like believe in this guy. But yeah, you're right. Blake is just a, a trophy. Yeah, he, he's, he's, he's a trophy. He's a trophy bench warmer. Um but I had a funny moment with Blake Griffin after the game. So 
after games, the Celtics do like they have players come up to the podium for the press conferences. And then at the same time, they have players talking in the locker room. Um, oh, so you got to make a choice as a journalist. Do you want to go after the big fish, the Jason Tatum, Jalen Browns of the world, or do you want to go talk after the small uh, role so, players? So I was in Malcolm Brogdon's press conference in in the podium room, and it ended, and I went to the locker room. And I got there, as as fate would have it, just as Blake Griffin was wrapping up his press conference. And like as I as I walked in the door... PR was saying, oh, thanks, Blake, which is basically like, it's over. And I said, oh, and he said, you get all that? <laughs> and then he just kind of laughed and he walked out. So that was that was a fun, fun moment with Blake Griffin making fun of me for arriving literally directly at the end of, of his press conference. So, but he... he he seems to be, like you said, kind of the right type of vet. He's really funny, man. Like, like Blake Griffin is just a funny dude. He he keeps keeps the mood very light in the locker room. Um, always stand up comedians. He's performed sta- his own stand up at Just for Laughs. He has a lot of friends who are stand up comedians. He's good friends with Neil Brennan, who co wrote the Chappelle shows. His stand up as well. I keep on waiting for Blake. <clears throat> to break out kind of his type five about like living in Boston or being on the Celtics because he is, he's a hilarious dude. He does have a, a Boston accent that he breaks out sometimes oh, in, in the Celtics locker room. And he, he said, Hey, Pritchard, Pritchard, <laughs> Hauser. It, it's actually pretty funny. He has a better Boston accent than I do, even though I've been living in Boston far longer. Um, but yeah, and and he's also on top of the humor stuff. Like he he's the rare former superstar, and he was a superstar. Like he was one of the most beloved players in the NBA. There's um, a reason he's a trophy. Yeah, and he's he's a rare guy like that who can come in and play behind Luke Cornett and be cool with it. Like that. Well, he's a- also one of the biggest bench celebrators too. Anytime Luke Cornett does something. Like he Blake's the first one up off the bench celebrating. That takes some serious humility, though. Like to be Blake Griffin, to be former, I think he he was first team All NBA at least once, um, and now to just be cool playing behind Luke Cornett, like that that's that's pretty pretty impressive. And and to have that mentality, like that helps set a nice tone for a guy like Peyton Pritchard who could probably be pissed off that he doesn't play, even though every time he does play, he's good. Uh, and so, salute to Blake. I, I just Blake. meant it to be a, about his dunk, but but he does seem to be a, a pretty good influence on the Celtics locker room. You never know where the potable six-pack's going to turn. I mean, I think most people forgot that I still have one pick left. Um, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Jalen Brown scoring – what was it 38 points uh, against the Wizards? Um, that was impressive. The Wizards were wearing some weird I cherry blossoms. I believe it was 36. Oh, I, I apologize to Jalen Brown for giving him two more points. But um, professional basketball player, very good scorer. Probably not getting enough credit for how good he's uh, of a season he's having. Um, but alas, I'm going to continue not giving him enough credit because that's not my last pick in the potable six-pack. Uh, my final pick has got to go... 
to Bazooka Joe <laughs> Missoula. Um, we talk about the comedy, the good vibes, the the laughter that has accompanied the Celtics, this team, not Joe Missoula. Uh, before the game against the uh, – who are they playing? The, the, the Charlotte Hornets. How could I forget? Uh, it's my second favorite team. Uh, he was asked about the Cornette contest, and he was just like, I don't find any – like." It was asked like a humorous like question about it, and he was like, no, I mean, uh, people have adjusted to it. It's actually hurting our team now. Nothing. And then after the game, Corrales was like, so like, what are the vibes of this, uh, good vibes after a win like this? And Missoula's just like, I don't have good vibes. And just immediately shut down everything. And he's the perfect Brad Stevens, Kaizen disciple. Can't get too high. Can't get too low. He's like, we sh- sure, we did a lot of good things tonight, but I haven't watched the tape yet. And I'm going to go back and we're like, we got to keep moving forward. And it was just like hilarious to watch him completely shut down any idea of celebrating uh, a giant win against the Charlotte Hornets. He knew they were a terrible team. He knew that there was nothing really to be celebrating about. And he was not going to let any sort of uh, Stromile Swift celebration, Blake Griffin celebration, nothing was going to uh, get Joe Missoula off the path of just he's about W's and he's about moving forward. Uh, and he's not, t- not going to laugh with you. Uh, that's not what he's here to do. He's here to win, chew bubblegum and win basketball games. And that's it. And that's, that's it. all he does. That was funny. He was like, yeah, I don't, I don't have great vibes. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Like it's okay. It's okay to take it down a little notch. It's, it's okay a- to have, be happy a little bit. Like you did win a game. And then, then uh, he was asked about, uh, just the consistency of the offense which really like doesn't take nights off and and he, he's like yeah but we had four turnovers in the first quarter in a row and <laughs> and that's just bad offense and so even in a game like that we have a ton of tape to watch and learn from <laughs> it's like <laughs> so that's why they're consistent because their coach is fucking nuts <laughs> <laughs> he's the perfect brad stevens robot <laughs> um Marcus Smart did not make this list but 15 assists is a lot of assists. And he's been throwing dimes this entire year. I think he has more double digit assist games this season. I think this was his fifth that he had in his entire career. I'm trying to remember the specific stat muse tweet I'm stealing that from, but he's just been completely in facilitator mode uh basically for this entire Celtics year. So I wonderful honorable mention as well. Yeah, he's also very quietly up to 35%, a respectable 35% from 3. He is averaging seven and a half assists per game. He has led the Celtics in assists 14 out of their 21 games. Is it he, the same 14 games that where they had 116 uh, offensive that, rating? That, that's a good question. That's 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 why you're... That would be some correlation right there, bro. But he has had five assists in 19... At, at least five assists in 18 of their 21 games. Um, He's just been really good at both ends of the court. And, and especially... Like, for what the team needs. They don't need another scorer. They need someone who can push the pace, find guys, make things easier for other players, and Smart just keeps diming up everybody. 
and Celtics keep on winning. Um, now, not everything on this podcast is going to be about success. You know, you got to sometimes, like Joe Missoula, you got to point out where you mess up. And that's uh, an important part of accountability. That's an important part of being a leader. That's an important part of improving and actually having a growth mindset is acknowledging your failures and acknowledging when you get better. And before the game on uh, Monday night, I failed. I went into the game, as many people know, I, uh, one of my best friends in life, Nick Freeman, a brilliant, a brilliant offensive mind, is an assistant coach for the Charlotte Hornets. And so Charlotte Hornets in town, Steve Clifford has to give a, pre, a pregame press conference. And so I thought, you know what, maybe I'm just going to, I'll get some, some good uh, PR going for my buddy, uh, Nick Friedman. And so I decided I was going to ask Steve Clifford about him and try to get Steve Clifford to give this like positive, just great comments about Nick Friedman. Maybe we'll get a little Nick Friedman buzz going. Uh, and maybe he'll kind of move up in the, you know, the NBA ranks. So I asked Steve Clifford, um, I made a cardinal sin of journalism, uh, which Jay King was very quick to point out. Uh, I mentioned Nick Freeman's from Cambridge. He played his school in Maine. And then I just said, talk about what he brings to your staff. And um, I think Steve Clifford was a little caught off guard, not used to asking or answering questions about his fifth assistant. Um, he said he, he mentioned the players Nick Freeman worked with. And he mentioned that he uh, sometimes gives him a lot of stories or gives him a lot of advice that he listens to. And then Steve Clifford listed off where uh, Nick Friedman went to high school and to college. But um, he didn't produce the glowing quote that I was looking for. And um, I'm going to take full responsibility for that. That's on me. I asked him a talk about question. Uh, and that's just not how you get answers in the journalism biz. Although I, I will say you didn't just say talk about. You said can you talk about. Which so that's, was it's, it? it's even worse because he could just answer yes. <laughs> it was at least a question though. You know? That's true. It was it was a request for a, a question. I, like it wasn't like I, you demanding him to talk about Nick Friedman. Although I guess when you ask someone a question, you kind of are demanding in a way. And if I had taken out the phrase "talk about," I just would could have said, "What does Nick Friedman bring to your staff?" Like I think it would have produced the same kind of response. I think he wasn't primed for that kind of response. I should have done more and talked about how um, Nick Friedman was the quickest kid in Cambridge in um, circa 2007, how he does so much like uh, uh, work on the court with the players and how much of an asset that is. And like um, maybe I could have got Steve Clifford to talk about that. Um, but it's my, it's my fault for not making my teammates better, in this case, Nick Friedman. And so I apologize to Nick. And I apologize for Steve Clifford for putting him in that position. Um, that's on me. Um, and I, I messed up. Can you please talk about my best friend, Steve, please? Can you please say glowing things about my best friend, Nick Freeman, who, <laughs> let me remind you, an offensive coach, an offensive coach for the Hornets. He coaches the offense, and the offense for the Hornets was not terrible uh, last night. The defense was. The defense was quite bad, but the offense was good. And um, I just got to say, Hornets got to be better because I talked to Nick after the game. I was like dapping him up with the, on the court. It does not seem fun to be a Hornets coach right now. I, I just, uh, 
Nick, you know, he's, a, he's laughing. He's having a good time with all his buddies. He had a bunch of people at the game. But, like, it's tough to, to come out and laugh with your friends when you just took a 35-point loss. And um, I, I don't like seeing my friends lose by 35 points. And so I would like the Hornets to just be better. Uh, do it for Nick Friedman. Everything for Nick Friedman. That's what it's all about. That's what this podcast has been about since Jump Street uh, has actually been just a weird way to talk more about Nick Friedman and trying to advance his career. And so um, thank you guys for listening. Uh, <laughs> reminder that uh, anything is how possible. Many Nick Friedman references we've had over the years. I feel like they've really increased recently ever since like I don't I, I could not reference him when he was just a G League coach. But ever since he's made it to the league, it feels like it's fair game. Yeah, yeah, you you find ways to work it in. I'll give you that. Yeah, it's it's called uh being a good friend. I also the Celtics will be playing um in Charlotte in January two games in a row uh on a Saturday and a Monday Martin Luther King Day. I'll be staying on Nick Freeman's couch that game so we'll have more Nick Freeman content. Maybe I can convince him to do an interview um although probably not. We'll see. You should get him to have Terry Rozier sleep over too. <laughs> I think and, that's a weird coach-player dynamic. A little slumber party with you, Nick Friedman, and Terry Rozier. If that happens, that will be potable because literally, folks, literally anything is potable. Thank you guys for listening. Please rate five stars. Do all that good stuff. Uh, recommend us to your friends. Subscribe to The Athletic so you can read Jay King's work. You can get it for the entire year for $12, which is uh, absolutely insane. And it's the best place to read all the great reporting that Jay does. Thank you guys for listening, folks. We'll be back later this week to break down probably Celtics just continued success. Um, but thanks for listening, guys. Bless your souls. Anything is possible. Anything. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.